Well, would you believe it? Tradfest podcast number six. If you're still listening, you have impeccable taste. I'm Douglas Robertson. And I'm Jane Ann Purdy. So tell us, Jane Ann Purdy, what we have for our listeners. So uh, in this episode, we have a Moishas Fable from uh, Brazilian super bassist, Super Mario Caribe. We'll be talking to AJ Roach, who's over in Ennis, Ireland. And our Sugar story is from Ewan McPherson. But before all that, we're going to catch up with Johnny Hardy and Donald Hay from Old Blind Dogs. Described as a Scots neo-traditional supergroup, Old Blind Dogs have been on the cutting edge of Scottish folk since 1992. As at home with an energetic tune as a lyrical ballad, the dogs are a firm favourite with audiences at home and abroad. In the absence of the gig they should have been playing at Tradfest, we're delighted to welcome founder member Johnny Hardy and newest pup Donald Hay to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So, um, Drummy, where are you now? Tell us what your surroundings are. Where am I? I'm, uh, I'm in my living room in my house in uh, Liberton in Edinburgh. Uh, my uh, brand, brandly new painted living room, I'll have you know. Ooh. Beautiful yeah, job. Yeah. Thank you very much. It only it only took uh, 20, 25 years or something to get around to that. Anyway, it's done now, so that's where I am. Good for you. And you, Johnny, where are you? I am at home in Aberdonia, uh, Aberdeenshire, sunny Aberdeenshire. It's a beautiful day up here today um, in Strath- Strathdon, about 45 miles west of the Granite City. Okay. So you've all been separated pretty much for the entire year, is that right? Have you seen your, you know, each other and the other two members, which we, you should mention, Ali and Aaron? We've done a couple of things, but not very. We haven't seen much of each other at all, really. We, we, we've had a, we had a couple of socially distanced uh, gigs without audience mm-hmm. uh, in Glasgow, but we've been working away remotely on various things at all of us at home. Okay. And uh, so you've got some kind of new release coming up, haven't you? Um, a compilation. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, ba- basically, um, uh, when the lockdown happened, um, we realised, I mean, as far as, as, far as uh, I've known with the Old Blind Dogs, are very much about getting out there, doing gigs and playing live and meeting your audience and everything like that. And uh, obviously with lockdown, we couldn't do that. So um, the next best thing and the only thing really seemed to be to uh, up our social media game, which is um, a bit difficult for some of us. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) anyway, we're giving it a go. So basically we had to sort of learn or get better anyway at recording in our own houses and uh, learn how to film and edit films and things like that. So uh, as a means to an end, we kind of started redoing some of the old material, stuff that I didn't really know before, and uh, working on that remotely, making little films, putting them up on Facebook, and uh, experimenting with different sounds, I suppose, a little bit. And we quite like what's coming out, so we thought mm. we should maybe let people have it. Yeah, so is it a kind of greatest hits? <laughs> I don't know. What do you, <laughs> what do you say, Johnny? The, um, well, you know, that's a that's a extensive piece of work. That's going to be. Um, <laughs> no, there's <laughs> <laughs> straight in at number eight hundred and thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, it was a nice opportunity to to revisit. Um, and it, as Donald says, there's a lot of because the band has changed lineup. There's, there's a lot of material that, that Donald doesn't know, and Ali probably didn't know so much either. But too. So I've kind of stood back and let them choose things, which has been quite nice. interesting to see what people have chosen. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite a mixture of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We also, because we were, we all also decided to do, a, uh, as Donald mentioned, to do these videos uh, yeah. from home. And part of the thinking behind that, I think, is because we all live in very different environments, you know, yeah. urban in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aaron's down in Dumfries and Galloway out in, in the country. I'm away up in Aberdeenshire in the country. So we knew we would get four very different looking videos, which is kind mm. of part of the charm of doing that. And then we obviously had to choose a piece of piece of music for those for those as well. So um yeah, it's been a, it's been trawling back through uh uh this you know all sorts of different uh, albums from right way back. Some, some tracks okay. from way back, really up back to the, the early 90s, even. <gasps> wow. Remember those yeah. days? Wow. They go out and about and, you know, <laughs> have fun. So, Donald, mm. what did you, what track did you choose to do? Well, uh, I did a, a fiddle tune Johnny wrote uh, called Boondock Skank. Uh-huh. I think there was quite a, there was, it seemed to be with the old blind dog, dogs, there was a bit of a kind of reggae thing going on especially mm-hmm. from Davey I think the percussionist bring <laughs> yeah. this kind of reggae yeah. thing yes Davey uh, Cat yeah Davey, Davey Cat yeah. Yeah, yeah the first guy uh, percussionist so that that's from uh, their Tall Tales album which was released in 1994 wow would you believe doesn't wow you know. time flies uh, so yeah I had to go at that and I I basically just tried to make the groove um, not quite as reggae and make it a bit more kind of straight ahead and uh, came up with a string line which Johnny recorded beautifully and oh. uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah and it was, that was good fun actually just trying to you know have a wee go at um, arranging a track and, and then getting out there doing some filming which I'd never done before in my life. Donald your video is very much about um the stuff that was lost, you know, that the, the, the shuttered up venues and pubs and things like that. Yeah, you know, I, I just start, yeah, it started going out around the town. Well, started off in my local area in the woods and then ended up going to a town, which I hadn't really been in at all at that point. Mm-hmm. I'd realised it was pretty, it was closed. Edinburgh yeah. was shut, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was quite amazing, actually, you know, seeing the, yeah. like these streets that are usually full of tourists completely yep. empty yeah it's funny. One, sorry carry on there yeah it's also it's very interesting for us country folk having seen donald's film was the first one that we that, that we saw and of course being out here we had no idea that edinburgh is shut or glasgow's shut because really in many ways us uh, folk out in, the, out in the country our lives haven't changed very drastically uh, anyway so it's a it's a completely different uh, experience. Uh, have you ever actually been in a pub? Me, well, I've heard about them. <laughs> Ali, Ali Hutton told me about them. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating because I think that uh, Aaron's experience was coming similar to yours. Um, you get the feeling that you actually quite enjoyed the lockdown. So I think we're going to listen to his. Uh, he did a little voiceover okay. for us because he's not okay. here today, so we could have we listen to that. 
Hello, my name is Aaron Jones, and I play bazooki guitar and sing with Old Blind Dogs. My lockdown video uh, features this piece of music, uh, which is written uh, by myself. It's called Mr. and Mrs. Jones of Walk Mill, and was written on the occasion of my twin brother's wedding. Um, Walk Mill is where he used to live, down by the banks of the Penn Kiln, which is a tributary to the River Cree, which runs through Newt Stewart, where I was brought up. Um, I left in my late teens to travel the world, but returned a few years ago to this area to raise a young family and be closer to my extended family. Um, it's a very beautiful part of the world, and I think that's reflected in the images that you can see in the video. Um, taken by myself, my other half, and my sister Billy, who is a very keen hill walker. She is responsible for all the high altitude pictures that you see. And perhaps we should have included more photographs of the area in rain uh, to truly reflect lockdown. But as you can see, Dumfries and Galloway is very photogenic in the sun. Um, lockdown has been an opportunity to spend huge amounts of quality time with my young children and I will always be grateful for that time. Um, I also appreciate how lucky I have been able to self-isolate and social distance, especially in such a beautiful place, and for that I'm grateful also. We've been able to keep relatively busy, but the main thing is we've been able to keep healthy and well and kept fed and warm and keep a roof above our heads. And for those uh, reasons, I'm very grateful to live in Dumfries and Galloway. And I, I hope that comes across in the video. You can watch the video on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Pop along, watch the video, comment, like, and uh, hopefully it'll not be too long before we see you along the road. That was lovely. Nice. So it took me right into Galloway, that did. Very rural sort of feel to the whole thing. I think, nice. yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I think you'll get a job at the Dumfries and Galloway Tourist Board. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, did you did you feel there were some kind of positives then, Johnny, like uh, Aaron, to being... Certainly, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a funny situation. It's, it's, it's very similar to Aaron, actually. I feel really blessed that I've had time to actually think about a lot of things and just be at home and, and uh, you know, a completely different pace of life than I'm, than I'm used to. But obviously, at the same time, you're aware that it's really not been a very positive experience for the vast majority of people. And, you know, even a lot of close friends have been having a really, really difficult time mm -hmm. dealing with all sorts of issues. So mm -hmm. it's a kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult, um, you know, it's been a really difficult time. Although we personally have, have enjoyed uh, various elements of it. Uh, but still, you're just thinking about the video that we did. Um, when I say we, I got a bit of help from my wife uh, and my dog and a big cloak. Um, and uh, we just took advantage of having time to go and film uh, some of the beautiful scenes around here in the, in the woods and the rivers and up at Kergarth Castle. And um, yeah, just, you know, trying to capture the, the, the stillness that we've suddenly uh, been able to enjoy around here and, and the, the quiet of nature. It's been really an amazing time. But, but your house is usually sort of party central a bit, isn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> how many musicians do we know who stayed over know, at your place know, and regretted I know, it? <laughs> I, know, I know it's been... That's, that's another thing that's made it so, so different. It's, 
just uh, uh, just the house being empty of music, you know, and and looking at the piano sitting here, and you know, I I, I occasionally have what we play on it, but I'm not much caught but the keyboards, and just you know, yeah, the, the house not being used to its full capacity, which we're so so used to, which is which is a shame. Yeah. But yeah. it'll all get back someday yeah. soon. We'll all get back to normal, I'm sure. We we have the same thing going on. For people who don't know, we um, yeah. also have concerts in this house and we're actually sitting in the room where a lot of people that we're going to be talking to have actually stayed the night we're in the spare bedroom this is our studio now mm-hmm. so we've got mm-hmm. a similar situation to yeah going yeah on. so yes and Ali um he had made a little film about Glasgow and I think we're going to hear him do a little voiceover now Hello, I'm Ali Hutton. I play bagpipes and whistles in Old Blind Dogs. The tune that you're hearing just now is a tune that I was commissioned to write during lockdown. We came up with the idea of auctioning off some tunes during the earlier months of last year as we watched the dates disappear from our diaries. The tune was commissioned by Chris Kriegel and is called North Coast. This tune accompanies my lockdown video The four of us made videos highlighting our surroundings and the places that we call home. My video starts off at my home in the east end of Glasgow. It takes a tour around places like the Barrowlands, the Dry Gate, St Luke's. These are all iconic music venues that are sadly closed at the minute, but hopefully will be full of life very soon. These are places that I've had some of the best times of my life and Glasgow itself has provided me with some of the best times of my life. I'm originally from Perthshire, but I've called Glasgow my home for many years now. There is a great sadness in the lack of human life in the streets. However, there's still a great vibrancy about the city that will always remain. After a brief tour of the east end of Glasgow and the surrounding area, I show a couple of clips of our seven-month-old daughter, Jessie. She was born during lockdown and she's seen here playing the piano and banging on a set of pots and pans. Um, She's been a great source of love and laughter during these difficult times. One of the more positive aspects of this whole situation is that I've been able to be here and I haven't been away on tour. I've been able to watch her grow and change into the little person that she's starting to become. For this, I'm extremely grateful. Hopefully now we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel and that we can soon return back to normal life. I'm certainly looking forward to getting back to playing some gigs and seeing all of the people that I've met over the years and people that I call my friends and and my family. Um, So hopefully, fingers crossed, that we're very close to this becoming a reality. But until then, everyone stay safe and take care. So have you, have you any gigs in the calendar? Is there any sign of uh, people starting yeah, to give you yeah. bookings? Yeah, we do. I mean, we've we've, co- we've we've constantly been booking things and then things just get knocked back. But I think, you know, obviously everybody's in the same boat. The diary just keeps moving. But at the moment, it's looking like we're kind of getting back to work in August, hopefully. And um, certainly September, we've got a full, full uh, US tour already pretty much booked. And we just have to go, a small matter of going to Belfast to get our visas now. And uh, so here's hoping. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, things are kind of back to 
normal-ish as far as we're, we're aware. Is that right, Donald? Yeah, we have, uh, after that, we have a tour in Germany booked from, from the November. end of October and through to middle of November, possibly a bit, yeah. some Denmark stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean... Fingers crossed. Well, fingers crossed. We're just uh, hoping... We guess, to, to, when you ask Drummy that, is Drummy the responsible adult in this band? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> up, up until a certain point in night. <laughs> You pass the baton on at midnight. <laughs> to anyone who take it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So um, the album, I don't remember if you said when it was going to be out or the EP. And what it's uh, that, well, hopefully um, towards the end of April, okay. uh, that so will be, be out. out uh, by the time we do this, it will be out. Yeah. End of April, beginning of May. For the EP. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the pl- the plan is to record a new Old Blind Dogs record in the summer. Okay. And which we were already working on before lockdown, and we we pretty much got you know a lot of the material for that is already sorted out. But that's going to be a separate thing to come a little okay. bit later. So. Yeah. And are you going to record that in a studio together? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, if if possible, the plan is to record it uh, in Grand's house down yes. in the borders. Yeah, bigger mm-hmm. uh, with a great engineer down there, Chris Wheat. Yeah. Um, so ho- hopefully that can go ahead. And we, we need to, I mean, uh, working remotely has been fine. It's been an interesting way of doing stuff, but we really need to get in a room together and remember who we are. So. Smell each other. Yeah. yeah. We've got some <laughs> rehearsals, we've got some rehearsal time booked next month. So hopefully the things are opening up, we'll be, we'll be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, move on from there. But I'm sure it'll all come flooding back. Yeah, <laughs> I said to um, someone at Creative Scotland that the benefit of older bands is they'll be vaccinated first. <laughs> that's, well, that's now, true. now. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yes. Well, well spotted. <laughs> well, you know, you can't be around for 27 years and be young. Spring can you? chicken? No, yeah, that's, that's no. True. That's true. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, you should tell us about this track that you've very kindly shared with us, um, and we'll play out with that. So uh, the the tune is called "The Buzzard," uh, and it's a reworking of another uh, track that, that the band did uh, back in the nineties. The Buzzard's a tune, a tune of my own. Uh, it's a sort of floaty, slow uh, fiddle tune, uh, and uh, we've kind of come up with a sort of slightly tougher arrangement of it. A reworking of it, which I have to say I've really enjoyed doing. I just never imagined it ending up sounding the way it, the way it has, but that's that's largely down to the rest of the guys. Uh, so it's been a really enjoyable experience. Okay, Great. look forward like to that. Thanks very much for your time, guys. See Thank you soon. Right. Thanks a lot. Catch you here, guys. Hopefully. Cheers. Yeah. Bye.
That was the buzzard, the new slow version. That'll empty the dance floor, won't it? <laughs> so thank you, Johnny and Drummy, for the chat, and also to Ali and Aaron for sending in their lockdown tales. Next up is Mario Caribe, Brazilian bassist, with our latest Moishas fable. I am Mario Caribe, uh, bass player for Moishas Beagle. I'm going to tell a very quick uh, tale of what I uh, did before I uh, started playing with the bagels and how I got into music. Uh, my mom wanted me to play guitar so she could show off in the parties and uh, occasions where the family would reunite. So she had a really good uh, friend and a wonderful uh, teacher and uh, I arranged to have lessons with him. He was a guitarist, he also played piano. Uh, and then I set off to have lessons in his conservatoire, which was a, a little house uh, in a neighborhood in Sao Paulo called Moca. And I had to take two buses. It took me about an hour and 45 minutes to get there. And it was after school. In Brazil, I, I went to school like at 7.30 in the morning and finished at just at one o'clock. And then I went uh, straight uh, to his conservatoire, where we would be uh, talking, and he would teach me bossa nova, he would teach me guitar, he would teach me loads of things. He was a very funny guy, very interesting, and uh, the, he basically introduced me to the world of music in the best way possible, which was without pressure, and uh, be able to enjoy harmony, melody, rhythm, uh, all at once and uh, with a lot of good humor. After that, uh, I heard Jaco Pastorius playing uh, Birdland once coming back from uh, school with my dad uh, in the car. And I think it was 1978 and it was the first album, jazz album, to be uh, launched worldwide, and I completely got hooked onto that, and uh, went into this uh, other school called Clun, uh, and started playing bass and jazz, got into it, got into every presentation, every end of year presentation, where I would accompany dozens of other instruments, uh, in terms of, as, uh, dozens of other instrumentalists, and after that, uh, started playing with my friends in bands, uh, got quite involved in the music scene, started playing pubs and bars, uh, but then decided to go and do music university where um, uh, with a little bit of a rerouting in my life, I, I was sworn to uh, myself being ostracized in the music business and would never work again by my friends because we had a band and obviously I was moving away and but that didn't happen I finished my course uh, started working again and worked in a band for about eight nine years until 1996 when uh, I came to Scotland uh, I got in contact with Tommy Smith who was then running the National Jazz Institute and got my whole family, we moved up and 
immersed myself in the Scottish music scene. And not many years later, I had met Phil and Greg and Guy playing in several different groups and started playing with the Bagos. Thanks for that, Mario. We're moving on now to catch up with A.G. Roach at home in Ennis, Ireland, where he talks about songwriting and perhaps forming a band with his uh, young family. A.J. Roach is the kind of singer-songwriter you don't forget. He has a highly individual sound, full of the colour of his homeland and a unique way with words. A.J. grew up in Virginia listening to bluegrass music on the family sound system, but by the time he had embarked on his own music career in his early 20s, he had soaked up a whole world of other influences. Brought to Scotland for a songwriter's residency in 2009, A.J. met his future wife, Irish flautist and singer Nuala Kennedy. After a long career on the road, he gave up the musician's life for a steady job and a settled home life in 2013. We thought we had coaxed him out of his retirement for a gig at Edinburgh Tradfest last year when lockdown intervened. We're still hopeful that this long-awaited gig will happen, but in the meantime, it's great to catch up with him for the podcast. Hi, AJ. Hey. How are you doing? And hello from me too. <laughs> I, take it you're in, I take it you're in Ennis in the spare room or something. Are you? I'm in Ennis, County Clare. That's right. How long have you been there? Not um, in the room, but in Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last year feels like about 20, yeah. but um, I guess uh, technically since 2017, okay. summertime 2017. Okay. So what made you move to, to Ireland from your, because you were living back in the States, weren't you? In your own homeland? Yes. I was living in, uh, we were in Venice Beach. So we we went from Venice to Ennis, um, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, quite a bit, quite a big difference there. But we decided to move back because um, we were expecting our second child and we just wanted the, wanted the kids to grow up over here or at least... Um, have some of their childhood here. I don't know. Maybe we'll end up going back to the States at some point, but right now we're yeah, quite content to be here in uh, County Clare. Great. There's a pretty good, uh, I mean, Nula's pretty keen on the um, the kind of session scene there, although that's not obviously been happening yeah, for quite well, some time. Yeah, yeah prior, to the, uh, prior to the pandemic, there was... In the summertime, I mean, there must be 70, 80 sessions a week, maybe more. And the incredible uh, quality of session as well. I mean, the quality yeah, of playing is unbelievable. So many of the just absolute top-notch Irish trad musicians that live either in this town or, or you know, a, a short taxi ride away. It's I used to love it. Like, it's one of the things that I miss most about the... Uh, the time after the pandemic and before the pandemic, I used to get to go to some of the sessions in, or during the day on the weekends and they're, they're kid friendly and we take the kids and Nula could play some music and the kids would dance around and have a great time. I could have a sneaky pint. It was <laughs> very, uh, just like a really cool scene, mm -hmm. but that's been gone now for a, about a year, but yeah. it'll come back. Yeah. How does it compare to the kind of scene 
that you first got involved in, I think, when you were in San Francisco. Um, interestingly, working on the Matrix film, but we maybe come to that. Yeah, a um, that's that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, when when I was when I first moved out there, I I didn't really, you know, obviously I didn't know anyone. I I went out there for that job, and I just kind of, uh, you know, I would go and do my nine to five job, and then I would sit through the traffic coming back across the Bay Bridge, and then. Uh, you know, try to get a quick bite to eat and then out to like some open mic or just trying to meet other songwriters and singers and musicians. And, um, you know, it took, took a while, but I found a nice, a nice group of people. There was a great singer songwriter, kind of a, uh, like a folk and, and kind of like an alternative country, I guess, almost scene that was going on there. They were great, uh, Great musicians. Um, some of them I, I actually was able to work with like throughout most of my career. Like my friend Todd Sikafus was involved in all three of the records that I've that I've released, all the full length ones. Um, and my friend Noe Venable. These are people that I met early on in San Francisco. Also has been involved in, I think, two of those three records, and. Yeah, just I'm still still close with a bunch of the people that I met in that scene. It's really uh something that I'm really thankful for for having that time and for, you know, being able to to meet and get to know some of those people. Remember when you were living uh, in Edinburgh with Nula and you did a kind of a weekly songwriters kind of gathering where you made soup and so forth. But yeah. you, were, you, you were involved with another, like a Jack Hardy songwriting yeah, that's thing right. before. Yeah. Yeah. Jack was, uh, so I, when I was in San Francisco, I had um, a friend who did, uh, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like a, a meetup so much to, to play new material um, like Jack's song meet was it was more of a just hang out and play songs and then so i thought that's what i was going to be getting into first time i went to uh to jack hardy's song meetup and you know he had that he i think for 30 30 some years he did this on a on a monday night in his apartment in the village on houston street and yeah another Another thing that I was that I'm just really thankful to have been able to experience when I look back, just uh, becoming a close friend of Jack's, and just really he was like a he was a mentor for me, taught me a lot about how to write a song, and just taught me that because I used to just write and then that would be it, and I just thought that like this is how people write songs, you know. There's no editing, like that was cheating. But then <laughs> like uh yeah, Jack taught me that like that's a really silly way to look at uh at your craft because um you know you definitely want to take some inspiration, but there's craftsmanship involved there too, and that means sometimes it means rewriting and rewriting and moving things around and you know, double checking all your metaphors and making sure that everything is uh just as well crafted as it as it can be 
But that meetup was great. Didn't he give you a kind of starting point as well, though? A few words and send them out. Was that was that Jack Hardy that well, did that? Like Barrio Moon and... Uh, no, no, that, that was... Was that different? Was that a different thing? That was a different thing, yeah. That was something that uh, my friend Robbie Hecht... Um, came up with and I believe he I believe he got it from um our other friend Matt the electrician in Austin Texas used to do if I'm remembering correctly he used to do a weekly thing where the audience would would give him a title and the next week at that weekly gig he would have a song with that title you know um uh-huh. it's very interesting songs came out of that yeah experiment as i'm sure you can imagine yeah weren't, um, weren't there a couple that you you wrote from these interesting titles well yeah the barrio moon was one um what was another one sleeping with houdini was that one or something was oh yeah it? sleeping with houdini yeah yeah um yeah that was uh that was like nils andrews and robbie hecht and just a whole slew of uh what I call my folk family, all the, all the folk family were kind of involved in, in that little, uh, songwriting game. But then we all kind of, we all kind of got into the, the Jack Hardy meeting. Then I think Nils was the first, okay. the first one of that group to meet Jack. And he introduced me to Jack in must've been 2008, maybe Yeah. Okay. 2007, 2008. And yeah, Jack was a, a rough uh, critic, but he was frustratingly usually correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the group that you had in Edinburgh, can you tell me a little bit about, well, tell me some of the people who came to that, because there are probably quite a few names that people might recognize of the folk that used to come along for the soup and the songwriting. Yeah. Um, well, Dean Owens was always, yeah. um, he was always there and always very, um, just very supportive of it. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would have been able to to do it really without his help and support. Yeah. Um, and who else? Um, I can't <laughs> I remember. Else. Toby, Toby Motorshead. Oh yeah. Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah and Pa. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. All the, all three of those were very helpful and supportive. And, uh, there was, um, mm, I don't know his last name, William. Uh, oh, William Douglas. Douglas. William Douglas. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. He's, he was very, uh, I, I love his songwriting. Like, yeah. just really catchy sense of melody and hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those guys are great songwriters. It was, that was a really nice meetup. You know, I, I was trying to get, I, I was about to get, a similar thing started here mm-hmm. in Ennis when the when the first lockdown happened around this time last year. So I, I've met a handful of of songwriters and singers here mm-hmm. that are all well. They were all excited to uh, to start. Wow. You know, hopefully but then you can get it. Bad timing. Oh yeah. So so I kind of mentioned in the introduction that you kind of you kind of gave up being a touring musician in 2013 when you kind of went back to um kind of the job that had taken you to san francisco sort of you know you were working in computing um yeah for the for the matrix film 
um, and you, you got a job at the Grammys. Um, yeah, that's right. Bringing the two things together. I wonder what, what things that you were not sad to, to leave behind from being a professional musician. What are the things that you don't miss? Oh, <laughs> apart from Folk um, Alliance. <laughs> yeah, I like Folk Alliance. It's the only place. It's the only place where you get to see all your friends at one time in the same place. Um, Didn't you call it Folk Annoyance, though? Well, that wasn't me. You can't that say was that. Uh, Douglas. No, that wasn't somebody. That was somebody else. That's what. That's what many people have referred to it as. Sure. Uh, okay. You um, were just quoting them, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was. Always liked uh, getting to see all the like that thing in South by and those big sort of festivals. I mean, they are they are frustrating because you know there's like in the case of South by. I mean, you're talking about thousands and thousands of people, and it like just takes you know 40 minutes to get a burrito. Um, <laughs> you know, you're just in line for everything all day for the for the duration of it. Yeah. But then you're in line with all of your pals, and you get to see yeah. some great music, and that's that's the up the upside of it. But I guess the thing that I'm that I least miss is all of the waiting. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about during those festivals, but just like you show up at a gig, and uh, it's probably you can probably hear my children yeah. upstairs. So I don't know what they I don't know what they're doing up there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a herd of horses sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, you show up at the gig and then you wait for the sound person to arrive and then you wait for the sound person to set everything up and then you wait for the person to bring you your your uh, thing for dinner. Then you go and wait for the dinner. <laughs> you know, like, it's all this, like, it just adds up to, like, Hours and hours and hours of waiting, sort of with these like short 45 minutes to hour long, like joyful, you know, when you're actually playing the music. Like, yeah. So I remember, I remember tour, uh, touring a couple of times with bands doing photographs and helping out and just thinking, you know, how much there is in between those little short spells on stage, you know, the, the traveling long distances. And, kind of vans and buses yeah. and things, the setting up of the gear, the sound checking, the it just goes on. Yes. And then the gig's just there and it's gone almost in an instant. And it's uh, yep. back to the same routine again. Yeah, that the the waiting and I guess if I could if I could pinpoint one more thing would be the the scheduling. <laughs> I I was always terrible at that and I just loathe it. Like you're just like a, you're like a travel agent with a guitar, you know, it's like <laughs> trying to get all the, like if you're traveling with a band and like I, I traveled with like two or three other people mm-hmm. at most. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it was just me, mm-hmm. but even if it's just you, you have to get the flights and the cars and the, you know, every single thing has to be taken care of. And then of course, like if you're doing, if you're doing it, um, from the States and you're coming over here to tour, which I used to try and do as often as I could, you know, then it's like, there's the time difference and the currency difference. And like, um, you know, just like, (laughs) it was just a nightmare trying to get all that stuff together. And I, I don't miss that. 
Well, you were doing <laughs> a lot of gigs at one point, weren't you? I mean, in a year, you maybe. Yeah, I used to. I used to be just try to stay on the road as as much as possible. I'd go home. Um, I mean, there were years where I was home for maybe like a hundred days out of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Around there, maybe less on some years, you know. Um, but I was young and I could drive and I mean, not that I'm old now, but you know what I mean? I was like, when you're in your twenties, like drive for 14 hours, yeah. play in a coffee shop for five people. And it's like, yeah, I'm on tour. <laughs> <laughs> so your life now is completely different. We can hear that the kids are running around upstairs. Um, they're quite yeah. young. Um, yeah. But I believe they're, uh, yeah, there is. They are hilarious. Yeah, they're yes. great. <laughs> there is still some music in your life, of course. Um, oh yeah. Tell us what you've been up to, because I think that you might have been learning a new instrument. Yeah, I've been. I've taken the opportunity of lockdown to uh, to do something that I always wanted to do, which is properly learn how to play claw hammer banjo yeah. on five string banjo. So, I'm actually. Uh, actually getting okay at it you know yeah keep uh, is, keep doing is your it. son lucky giving you any lessons no lucky is is learning the fiddle oh. actually oh. um and i love like everything about music that i love can be encompassed in like the banjo and the fiddle playing together like you have oh. the melody you have the 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 rhythm of that drone and the thumb slapping the drum head of the banjo. And just, I just think if there was only like one type of music that I could listen to for the rest of my life, if I had to pick, like that would probably be it. So I'm hoping that in the years to come, um, me and Lockie, and then of course Leah, when she gets a little older, she'll probably be learning an instrument as well. We're not sure which one yet. She seems to like the piano. We can throw a piano into the mix, you know. Absolutely, why not? Yeah, yeah, it'd be great to to play with the with the kiddos when they get a little older, you know. And have you, I have to get better first, though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and 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 have you been writing any songs? Uh, not really. I've I've been writing a lot of tunes on the on the banjo, um, but I haven't really done any lyrics. Like I'm. I'm a very lazy songwriter. Like that's uh, not so secretly. That's what the song meetings are all about. It sort of like forces me to. Yeah. Imposes a discipline in a way. Yeah. It forces me to be a songwriter instead of just being lazy, which is what I would rather do. Um, But yeah, the tunes are cool because you don't have to like, I mean, there is still editing and going back and like finding better way but i don't i don't yet know enough about the banjo to really do a whole lot of editing mm-hmm. so i just sort of sit down and like just sort of play around on it until i find a melody that sounds cool and then i start trying to build you know a, a b part or if i want to be very fancy and put three parts in mm-hmm. you know maybe i'll go for a c part as well <laughs> i know wow i know stand back <laughs> So, no, it's cool. I I I never really never really did any stuff like that before. I always sort of concentrated on on the lyrical content, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm enjoying writing the tunes and 
the kids, uh, it's very funny. The kids dance around whenever I play the, if I play like an upbeat tune, you know, they, they drop whatever they're doing and just start dancing around the room. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great to have that uh, appreciation um, straight away. So if we, uh, we hope that you will come back next year, if we can uh, sort it out. Do you think you'll play the banjo in your gig? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I haven't played guitar and it might be all banjo. I haven't played guitar in ages yeah. at this point. Wow. Whenever I, whenever I play for the last year or so, I always reach for the banjo. There you go. So Douglas, I think that um, we're going to choose a track. Yeah. Well, I remember when we came over to your um, three day wedding of yours in Nula over in Ireland, <laughs> there was one night, yeah. one night we ended up in a, Republican pub with sort of pictures of heroes of the Easter Revolution all over the walls and um, and a whole crowd of musicians and all your friends and some of your family and some of Nula's family. And um, it was the last time I heard you play Temporary, which is uh, oh, yeah. always uh, one of your old, one of, one of my favourites. Um, I've heard you play it a few times, oh, actually. I've heard you play it here and at the big tent festival over in Scotland and all sorts of places. So would that be an appropriate track to play? Are you happy with I that? Think that's a, I think that's a great one for the, mm-hmm. for the uh, you know, this too shall pass. It's only temporary. This yeah. uh, pandemic, lockdown, all this. Great. I think it's a good choice. Excellent. <laughs> great. Okay. Thanks so much for talking to us and uh, we'll see you soon yeah, great to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And yeah, I hope I see you guys soon. Yeah. yeah. Hugs to the family and all that. See you soon. Well, I am broken down Right here off the main road Somewhere near Kentucky On the border of Tennessee Yeah.
So that was Temporary from AJ's first album, Dogwood Winter. Now we move on to our fourth Shugal story with mandolin banjo player Ewan McPherson. I was trying to figure out what year it was we played in Manchester at Band on the Wall. So about, oh. I don't think I'd not, I'd not long been in the band. So I'm I thinking like 2012, 2013 or something. I um, thought the hotel with a tiny lift. Uh, I don't recall what the lift was like, um, but it was crazy. Our old sound engineer, Craig, was the driver and used to get quite stressed sometimes driving around and um, lots of people would tell him all at once what to do and he'd shout and scream. Anyway, we played Band on the Wall and we had a lovely gig, as I recall. Um, I 
can't remember anything about the gig. Anyone else can, feel free. Um, and uh, after the gig, we we sat around and had a few beers. And I think previously to go into the gig, we'd figured out that the bar in the hotel we were staying in shut at like midnight or something. So we'd kind of planned to have a couple of beers after the gig, then head out uh, to the hotel and have a few more beers in that hotel bar before going to bed. So it came to the point when we thought, right, we've got about, I don't know, an hour, half an hour before the, the bar in the hotel shut, so let's go and pack the van and head to the hotel. So got all the stuff out of band on the wall, chucked it all in the back of the van, and we all piled in. And it, when Crazy was driving, it was usually Malky that was in the front navigating, and he used to use his sat-nav. And so he put in the coordinates of the hotel we were staying in and we set off and um, maybe kind of 20 minutes later people started to get irate knowing that the bar in the, pub was, in the, bar in the hotel was going to shut and so then everyone else's phones came out so it would be like four phones everyone shouting directions at crazy is getting more irate stressed out and driving around Manchester on one-way system and you know there's tram lines in Manchester we ended up on the tram lines I think it's a, that's a, like a light of passage in Manchester and um, anyway we eventually about 40 minutes later maybe an hour I don't know um, we arrived at the hotel and we all piled out and looked around us and the hotel was literally next door to the gig that we just left it was like you could see band on the wall you could touch band on the wall from like the hotel room back door where we were back and to make matters worse, the bar had shut, I think. Maybe we only got one pint or something. But, uh, classic. But yeah, it was uh, the dangers of GPS travel instead of uh, asking the people in the place where it was. Because they did say it was just down the road, didn't they? I think. My, how we so. laughed. And that's why you should always ask a policeman. I'd like to thank all our guests in uh, episode six. That is Johnny Hardy, Donald Hay, Aaron Jones and Ali Hutton from Old Blind Dogs, Moshe's Bagels, Mario Caribe, A.G. Roach and Ewan McPherson. We hope you'll join us for Tradfest podcast number seven, where we chat to Dr. Laurie Watson, singer, fiddler and now academic. Our second guest interviewer, Sam Sweeney, We'll then chat to Laura Wilkie, no doubt about fiddling matters. All kinds of fiddling matters. See you then. Bye. Edinburgh Tradfest podcast is produced and presented by Douglas Robertson and Jane Ann Purdy, with the help of our hugely capable engineer, Dave Kane. The theme tune, Silence of the Trams, is by Angus R. Grant, performed and arranged by Sugar Nifty. Information on all our guests and the music played is listed on our website, edinburghtradfest.com. Huge thanks to our funders, Creative Scotland and... The William Grant Foundation, makers of Glenfiddich and other wonderful things. Please rate, review and subscribe to Edinburgh Tradfest podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apparently that helps other people find it. Thanks very much.